JB, we, we've got a good new addition to our set right now, I think. Yeah, I do think so. Probably the newest thing on this uh, set right now because uh, I, this guy is 39 years old and holding. Yeah. Coach Giancola of this great school of Montclair. Uh, you, you can see the backdrop. Thank you for having us first off. Appreciate it. Thank you. And, uh, you know, Coach, you are the winningest active Division Three coach. A, a lot of people don't realize here in Montclair that's – that's your title right now. 256, yeah. So tell me, what's what's your most memorable win out of those that batch? We've had a couple o o over the years. Um, I, I think the most exciting memorable one was right here. Uh, we were playing Brockport uh, from upstate New York. Oh, well. And uh, we were going back and forth, back and forth, and uh, game was tied, overtime, still tied. And we intercepted. We intercepted a pass in the end zone, ran it back for 100 yards. 100 yards, wow. 100 yards, and won the game on that play. And uh, everybody just went wild. That's you know, you think of Brockport State's history. College Brockport now they yeah. call themselves uh, Montclair State. There's some really rich history, JB, uh, yeah. with these uh, schools and the history of Division Three East Region, or what we used to call the East Region. Yeah. Uh, you know, he he went to Hobart. I went to Union. Uh, that Hobart team, interesting team uh, from upstate New York. What, what do you think of that team up there? Say, oh, say anything you like. <laughs> well, uh, we, we've only played them the one time. That yeah. was, uh, I guess, two seasons ago. Uh, or was it last season? I don't even remember. Kind of it's uh, one and the same, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. With, with <laughs> COVID. Yes. And uh, they're a good football team. They, they did a lot of things. Uh, their kicking game was very good. Their offense and defensive people were, were very good. They fooled us on a couple of plays. And uh, we had a touchdown call back. We had lost another one in the end zone. When it hit off our shoulder, we dropped it. And their kid, Doford, caught it. And they got another touchdown out of it on that run. So, um, but they earned it. They played well, and they earned the victory. How old are you? I'll be 75 in September. And you are still as sharp as anybody out there, right? because you're remembering the, the, the most minute details of games, like yeah. they're nothing. Now, does your family agree with us that your uh, your memory's good, or is it just a football thing, and then when it's all the family stuff, they're like, don't you remember, Dad? Well, it's it's selective at times. <laughs> it's selective at times, especially when they want me to do something and, and uh, I'm not available because football. You know, okay, my wife understands. We've been married. We've been married 52 years. So wow, um, that's awesome. She's been wonderful. She's she's been she's been the person that runs the whole show. She allows me to coach. She allowed me to coach when I had my first job. And, uh, and continue to, to allow me to do that while she was home raising the kids and doing all the, the shopping and writing the bills and, and, and taking care of all the issues that, that go on in a home. Uh, it couldn't have been done without her. What's her name? Judy. Judy, thanks for letting us borrow him all these yes. years, basically, uh, for football. Uh, she probably is thinking it's more than just borrowing. You, yeah. you guys pretty much have full time yeah. with him. JB, what, what do you think here? Well, Coach, I mean, you've obviously been, you know, involved with this game for a long time, and the last 18 months is really kind of unprecedented. We haven't had stoppage of a NCAA season like this since probably World War II. Honestly, it's been almost a lifetime. Um, how have you, you know, helped your your players, uh, you know, kind of get through this very challenging time 
uh, you know, stopping from you know doing all the things that they they love to do and just having to put everything on hold, and now kind of getting warmed back up again for a kickoff in a, about a week. When when this whole thing came down and and told us and everyone else, it's stopping. They were all very much disappointed. Yeah, very disappointed. But but when it was time to say okay they're going to give us a little bit of this and a little bit of that a couple um, of games in the spring yep. You know, yep. they didn't blink an eye when we said hey guys we can't practice we have to take a test we have to do that didn't flinch did everything that was being asked of them to do with with no uh, oh, I don't want to do that or why do we have to do that they just went right with everything and uh, they're doing that now in camp they're 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 hungry. They're hungry, like most clubs. They're hungry to play. Yeah. You know, they want to play. Chiquil said it. You know, they they come out every day. They work hard at practice. Uh, when things don't go well, they're all for each other to pick it up and let's go, guys. Let's 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 make sure we're doing this thing better and right. So uh, we we've had a pretty good camp, pretty good camp with this, and and we're anxious to play. Later in this show, we're going to have uh, defending Stag Bowl champion coach Jeff Thorne, who's 49 years old, and we asked him a question about uh, players sort of you know, taking football for granted until this happened. You at 75, did you take football for granted until this happened? No, not, not really. It was my life. Yeah. Uh, it, it was something that I did right out of high school, excuse me, right out of a college, graduated. I taught mathematics for 10 years while I was still an assistant coach and when I had the opportunity to come to Montclair State with the same head coach that I was the assistant with in high school uh, I said to my wife I said I have an opportunity what do you think and she said what do you think I said well I'd, I'm interested I'd, I'd, I'd like to, to, to maybe do this thing she said go ahead that's great. That's awesome. And I, and, I, and I said, you know, can we manage everything? She said, I'll work that out. You go ahead. So your family basically gave you some good grounding as to why not to take football for granted in that yeah. situation. That's awesome. You know, she, uh, she, was, she was just wonderful with it. Well, this is our Region 4 through 6 show, technically. You guys faced Mount Union, I believe, at one point uh, many moons ago. Uh, they're in Region 4. Uh, your thoughts, is that team all as cracked up to be on the field from what you've seen? Is it one of the best all-around Division Three teams year in and year out you've seen? Well, we've had a chance to play them one time in the playoffs. And um, we were down 21-14, and we had a drive going. We were in the, uh, I think, the 19 or 20-yard line going into score. Uh, we fumbled. They recovered. And that was probably the end of, of, of our attempt to, you know, overturn Mount Union at their home at their home field. Um, they're very good. They're well coached. Uh, they they have everything in place that they need to be to be a quality program, not just a team, a quality program. So I tip my hat to them. They they they've earned it and they deserve it for all the years that, that they've had that success. Uh, we're going to talk about them and other teams that have had success out in those uh, regions in the show. But uh, we wish you success here. In uh, how many seasons for you uh, is this officially? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't, I, it together, right? I, I, yeah. I really don't count. But uh, I don't know. I've been coaching since 1968. 
so you guys do the arithmetic and you can figure that out. I wasn't a math teacher. Three years so ago, I, yeah. basically, right? <laughs> yeah, 2021. Yeah. So yeah. Yep. Uh, basically, as long as you're married, just about, almost, yeah. by about a year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, good luck to you in this uh, season 50 plus, we'll call it, and uh, keep getting those wins. Thank you. Yep. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for having Thanks. us here, and you're watching season 14 of In the Huddle. I could talk to Coach Giancola all day, every day about football and just yeah. life in general. That, that's great, and we really appreciate him being here with us here yeah, on the show. 75 years young and still at it, but we didn't catch it on film. But there was one point when we were you know, perched up here above the above the football stadium, and he's driving around, you know, picking up tackling dummies and, and loading them into the car. I mean, this guy is something else. Lives and breathes football, and I'm excited for him and the Red Hawks that they get to get back at it again yeah it's it's going to be uh, i think for him a relief we we don't even ask him the question of retirement we, i've asked that to coach fredenberg how many times but oh, yeah. no, with giancola guys. i just don't feel like it's any time soon to the degree the school still wants him and they do yeah. i mean come on yeah, yeah. he has uh, made this program very strong again with his assistance preseason number two pick in the conference i mean yep. they're, they're right in the conversation in that uh, game on October 2nd against Salisbury Looms Large. But this show is about regions four through six, the rest of the country that we will still be watching. We will not be able to give the coverage level we do with one, two, and three as much to these conferences. Yeah. Maybe a little bit uh, more on four and the ASC. Yeah, but you remember though, when we uh, when we got that, was it Concordia, Wisconsin that had that crazy you know win with a touchdown in the final No time left! <laughs> hey, you guys put on shows like that, we will find it and we, this guy, we meaning this guy will clip these and get them into the highlight reel. So we're excited to, to try to do our best as far as what we can with some of the you know, Midwestern and basically West Coast teams because obviously there's the Skyac and Southern California. There's the Northwest Conference all the way up in, in um, Oregon and Washington. So, you know, we, you haven't heard the last of In the Huddle uh, out there in the far far Midwest in the West Coast. So uh, we're going to show you the teams ranked uh, in the top 25 from regions 4, 5, and 6 with the distinction of each here. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of, of them. familiar names, yep, too. Mount Unions, Heidelberg. Uh, we've got North Central, obviously. Wisconsin Whitewater. There's, you know. Mary Harden Baylor and Harden Simmons. Yep. And so you look at this plethora of teams and strength and you start to ask yourself, is there a balance of power issue uh, that's kind of building with these regions compared to 1, 2, and 3? Yeah, there might be, and I don't know if that was an intentional thing by the NCAA. Um, I mean, like I've said before, I have a feeling that we'll, we'll see the impact of, of COVID come playoff time because there's not going to be the same amount of funds to fly teams around the country. Uh, I think they're going to try and go back to that sort of regional pod setup. Yep. Um, so don't be surprised, you know, come November 18th or 20th, whatever that day is after week 11, uh, when the bracket gets released, that we see some more of this regionalization. Well, we're going to look at uh, week one games, and a uh, name that uh, is missing from uh, these slides on week one is uh, North Central. Yep. Uh, they are not playing in week one. Nope. But 
week two. <laughs> got a good one. <laughs> and week three. Yeah, yeah, they sure do. Um, a tough start for the defending Stag Bowl champs with Aurora and... Uh, yeah, and Wheaton. We, oh, yeah, the team that beat them. In 2019, yes. Yeah. The only team that would beat them, and they still got into the playoffs. We talked to Coach Thorne. Uh, well, we intended to talk Coach Thorne about football yep. and, uh, you know, getting back to the field as defending Stag Bowl champions in 2019. Um, Learned a lot more than that. Yeah. Uh, this became a life uh, discussion as well uh, yeah. for reasons that we did not know or foresee, and you'll see what I mean with this interview with Coach Thorne from North Central. Coach Thorne, it's been a while since I got to see you. I uh, had a little bit of a funny-looking uh, jacket on uh, when I got to talk to your team, your dad, in fact, and uh, we hope that he's doing well and your entire family after this uh, COVID experience. But you are the defending Stag Bowl champions. Now, we had awarded a uh, you know national team of the uh, season in the spring, so we, we don't know exactly how to do this, but we will call you Stag Bowl defending champions at the uh, very least here. Congratulations, to North Central and to you on that. And, I mean, how does it feel going from that to what we experienced in March through what we're still technically going through right now? How's it been for North Central, and have you been able to kind of build on things in the meantime? I mean, it's kind of been surreal. It's it's, it's amazing that it's been, you know, a year and eight months since that time. Uh, December 20th, 2019 was a special day. For North Central College, our football program, my family in particular, with with my dad's history here, uh, so it really has been. It's been strange. Uh, we have been able to use the time. I think, uh, particularly our situation, having graduated the kind of quarterback that we we had, it really gave us an opportunity to uh, work with our young quarterbacks and you know try to get them to a point where another year under their belt in the offense, they've got a higher level of understanding of what we do offensively. So I really think it's been a, a blessing in disguise in some ways for us, challenging in so many other ways. Uh, but just from a, a program development standpoint, our young guys learning our system and being ready for this 2021 season. Uh, we've, we've used it, I think, as, as, you know, as smartly as we could. We didn't play games in the spring. I wanted to protect our fifth-year seniors. We've got 14 of them that decided to come back, and most of them are, are starters. Uh, or heavy contributors with special teams and with our second units. So I wanted to keep them healthy, and uh, fortunately we were able to do that, and, and they're all back, and we're ready to go. Coach, aside from maybe the having the longest victory lap um, of a Stag Bowl championship team, um, what, what, what do you feel as a coach? I mean, some of the, the pros and cons of, of, you know, being in a position where other teams that you're ultimately going to be, you know, defending your title against are getting a chance to play in the spring. Um, like you said, you've used it to develop some some players and, and uh, to keep your uh, fifth years and other seniors, you know, safe and on kind of on the sideline. What did you guys learn about your team um, going through this spring uh, practice and maybe even in the fall? I just think that we learned a lot about the resiliency uh, of our young men. I mean, what, what this – group of guys has been through is really mark remarkable and, and I know everybody has they have their everybody's got their story of, of what they've endured uh, through COVID and you know families losing losing loved ones uh, in our program's case we had some really tough stuff happen and our, our guys have really come together like never before we were a close group before but it's, it's been somewhat galvanizing to be honest with you we lost um, one of our student coaches a student manager 
who was a player his first year here and, and sustained a career-ending injury. Um, you know, I never, I always hoped I'd never have to deal with this, but there, were, there was a suicide in our in our program in April, and that's really been challenging to make our way through. You know, the mental health element of what we've all endured, and particularly the young people. I've got, you know, a son who's in his third year at Michigan State. I've got daughters. Uh, one just graduated from high school, a third who's a sophomore in high school. And I've, I've witnessed firsthand as a dad what kind of toll this has taken on kids. And as a as a manager of young men, um, along with the rest of our coaching staff, it, it's just been staggering to see uh, the impact that, you know, these lockdowns and, and, and everything we've gone through has had on young people. You know, we've had more mental health issues in the last eight, nine months uh, than the prior couple years combined, and, and we've, we had several in those years. So just being mindful and being aware of how your players are doing, you know, how they're occurring to you, how they're carrying themselves, body language, it's been really important for us to really stay dialed in and tuned in to those kinds of things and really asking our players to do the same with each other and hold each other accountable to uh, stand on top of your mental health and, and keeping track of each other. So, so I think, again, just bringing our, our group even closer than we were before is how I feel about our team right now. And uh, you look at a couple of years ago when we faced the Evan Hansen suicide uh, situation and everything uh, that his team went through and whatnot, and I, it just doesn't get any easier when you look at these situations. And as you said, COVID has just, I think, drawn more of that and more of that out. It's got to be such a relief to get back to the field and to sort of be in a position to go back to what you enjoy. I was at Union College earlier before this interview, and I was talking to one of the seniors, and it, it occurred to me that, you know, I'm 45, he's 22-ish at this point, and there's this taking football for granted thing, I think that may have happened before all this, that sort of now these 18 to 22-year-olds have faced a reality of that and I have a feeling and I'm curious as you to your view of it do you think that this is going to impassion people more in terms of football and what it means to them and everything I look to you because I know your dad's taught you very well about the meaning of football over the years you've been a great student of it obviously look at what's happened in 2019 but it kind of give us a little bit more on that from your perspective yeah, the, the old saying, you don't know what you have until it's gone. You know, there's so much to that. I think there's a lot of truth to that statement. But Frank, you mentioned you're 45. I'm 49. Um, we, we have had the opportunity in our lifetimes to live through ebbs and flows, you know, peaks and valleys, valleys, ups and downs. And, and, and we've, we've learned how to navigate through those seasons of life. And so many of these young guys, excuse me, though, sorry about the phone. So many, so many of these young people, they don't have that luxury of experience through difficulty to fall back on. And many of them, this is, most of them, this is the worst thing they've had to endure. So, yeah, there's no question, especially our seniors. Our seniors are so hungry to get back out on that football field together. They've weathered the storm together. Um, and most of our guys didn't take the year off where, hey, we're going to go do an internship. We're going to go make money for the year and we'll just re-enroll. Our guys stayed. And 
So again, that galvanizing effect, we, we talk all the time in our program that you trust or you, you build trust through shared experience. The more difficult that experience, the higher the level of trust is going to go. And they've been through an awful lot together. And, and, and we had Navy SEALs come in again in April and take us through a couple of days of a pretty intense training. That's the third time we've done that. So you layer all those things together. And our guys, honestly, I mean, you're hitting hitting on a really important point. Our guys cannot wait to get on the field like never before because they didn't get to do it a year ago. And you can you can practice against each other. And we got to do it like Division One does with, with pads uh, this spring. But it's just not the same when you're not preparing for another opponent. The, the adrenaline's not the same. The intensity's not the same. And, and now we're, you know, we're at that point. We get to scrimmage tonight and, you know, we'll have two, two more weeks come Saturday and, and Aurora will be here. And that's going to be one heck of a challenging opponent. Uh, they had a great year a couple of years ago. Don Beebe's done a tremendous job there. So our guys know, you know, what lies ahead. And then week two, you know, we can't look past Aurora, but week two, we got, we got a big one um, with Wheaton College. So we're, we're really excited about where we are right now and the opportunity that uh, lies before us. Yeah, and that, that game coming on the uh, 20th anniversary of 9-11, which, you know, all of us here kind of being, you know, contemporaries can can probably remember exactly where we were when that happened. And obviously that, you know, kind of national disaster had a, a obviously lower, you know, kind of number of casualties as what we've seen with COVID, but still as impacted, you know, impacted the country at the time. Um, we still see it today through, you know, I'm getting on an airplane tomorrow and going to be going through some stuff that 20 years ago really wasn't even a big, big deal. So, um, yeah. but you mentioned, uh, you mentioned Aurora and, and we've heard a lot about this, uh, you know, Zimbleman character. We, we noticed a couple mm -hmm. of his games in the springtime, um, a very talented uh, quarterback and certainly, um, you know, leave it to your, leave it to those ADs and those, you know, contracts they signed all those years back to welcome you back to your title defense against a, a potential huh. Gallardi Trophy finalist. Um, so yeah. shifting, shifting more to the football talk, you know, how do you, how do you start preparing? And, uh, you know, I don't, I, I haven't checked Aurora's schedule. I don't know if they have a game in week one and there's always pros and cons to, you know, does having a game help them or not having a game because there's tape or whatever, but how do you sort of approach this, this game, especially after such a long break? Yeah, the Zimbleman kid is special. I mean, you guys nailed it with that first team preseason All-American label. He is really, really good. He's dynamic. He's athletic. He, he can make every throw. I mean, he, he can throw the field out uh, from the opposite hash. At this level, that's that's unique. At any level, that's that's pretty good. Um, and Coach Beebe's done such a great job, as I mentioned before. They're talented. Uh, they do open the week before with St. John's. Um, and... and Typically, the, the biggest improvement you have throughout the season is between week one and week two. So we really are going to have a huge challenge. That'll be our opener. Um, our bye week is week one. Um, so, you know, we're, we're practicing hard and doing everything we can to be prepared. And, and we will have our hands full with, with that offense and that quarterback. And defensively, I'm sure they're going to they're, they're give us everything we can handle, too. This is why we need. This is why we need more people in, in the huddle, Frank. Is I mean, how did I forget about Aurora playing St. John's in Week One? I mean, there's obviously like a hundred other games going on, but that's probably one yeah. of the biggest games. I mean, aside from the one that you might be attending um, in Pennsylvania, there, Frank. <laughs> but boy. Well, let me let me say this though. Um, it's interesting, uh, Jim Catanzaro, who you got to know especially well after uh, yeah. your uh, run, title run. 
who was the chairman of the committee, admits that in 2019, you essentially were one of the last teams, if not the last team chosen, and you actually make him proud because I think he uh, thought you belonged in there and you got in there and you stunned a lot of people. Maybe not yourselves, but a lot of other people out there in winning the title. But the reason you had to come in through Pool C was because of the loss to Wheaton, ultimately, mm-hmm. among other uh, mm-hmm. you know questions and all the stats and everything else that come out. But the Wheaton loss obviously yeah. factored in largely as to why you needed to go in in that route. You play them right. in week two or week three for us, week two for you. Uh, yeah, you know, and it, if something bad happened against Aurora, you got to win your conference. You know that, and you've got to win your conference mm-hmm. either way. In a lot of your uh, perspective, probably. Yeah. How, yep. how does that game sit right now with you? Because technically it's your revenge game, but Wheaton kind of sitting there like, hey, um, you know, we beat the ultimate national champion in 2019 and we don't get nearly the accolades yeah. we deserve. And they feel a little, I think, underwhelmed by the respect level they get right now. Wheaton does? I think so. I, yeah, you know, I'd be shocked because they were picked to win our conference. So, uh, you know, um, they're a great program. It's a great game every year. Uh, they, they play at a really, really high level. Their defense is as good as anybody in the country. You know, when we went through the, the championship run, at the end of the day, Wheaton's defense was the best we faced all year. Uh, Delaware Valley, I think, would be a close second. I thought they were dynamic and, and really, really talented defensively. But every year, they've got great athletes. They can run. They've got size. Uh, they're unbelievably well coached. They're disciplined. Um, it's going to be a huge challenge for us, but that's what you look forward to in this game. You don't look forward to the games that, you know, you don't feel like it's it's going to be a, a highly contested game. These are the ones you you get in the game for to open with an Aurora to to follow that with with Wheaton College, your your biggest rival that you'll face all season long, playing for a, for a trophy. Um, you know that's why I go back to that idea with with what we experienced in the year we had to train a young quarterback. Um, I think that was beneficial for us because they would have been week two in 2020 as well, and we would have had a, a fall camp to get you know our quarterback, a brand new quarterback, ready to play at a really high level. To beat Wheaton, your quarterback's got to play at a high level. So yeah, let me it's flip a, it's a this though. game right out of the gate. Let, let me flip Excuse this me? though because uh, sure. you, you brought it up, and I was actually going to hit this later too. But yeah, your conference actually put Wheaton on top. You're absolutely right. <laughs> Have you used that as a motivator yourself because you're a defending national champion, essentially, at least through the Stag Bowl uh, championship, and yet you're picked second, essentially, in your conference against Wheaton now. Have you used that as motivating a factor at all? You know, it's a good question, Frank. I, I'm not worried really what, what other people are thinking our conference or our, our conference and what our where our program is going to land in the conference. We, we've got to worry about ourselves and the standard that we expect, the standard our players expect to play to. And if we're doing that, then we feel like the other things will take care of itself. Um, our players, you know, it wouldn't shock me at all if our players are looking at it and saying, wait, wait a second, we won the national championship. And uh, But you got to take a step back, too, and look at it. Wheaton College has got a bunch of guys coming back, too, including the quarterback. It makes sense. I understand. You know, I'm not bent out of shape about that in any way, shape, or form. Um, we've got a job to do. Our players got to get ready to play. And if we play our best football – then I think we'll be happy where the chips fall. 
So I'm not asking for any company secrets here, Coach. Uh, you know, we had a chance to have you know Brock on the show a couple years ago, and you know Sparkle Man up there interviewed him, um, you know, with the trophy uh, on, on the field after the fact. Now you mentioned some you know these new quarterbacks uh, without having to name a starter or anything like that. But, you know, who are some of these new guys uh, that we as D3 football fans should start to acquaint ourselves with uh, with your team? Well, we brought our, our backup from the 2019 team. Jake Johnson is back. He's got a lot of experience in our offense and really understands it well. Uh, athletic, um, you know, not quite as big as Brock, but he's, he's very athletic. And then we brought some young guys in. We, Luke Lanin is a young guy from uh, Chatham-Glenwood High School here in Illinois. Was a two-time All-State quarterback in high school that we're excited about. Very, very athletic. Was, was all-conference and all-region as a baseball player here in 2020 as well. Um, we've, we've got a transfer young man who just came in here in the fall, uh, Alfonso Howard, a one double a transfer. He had played at Eastern Kentucky and moved on to uh, Prairie View before coming here. And another freshman from uh, Michigan that we like a lot, Brennan Hayes uh, from Hudsonville High School in Michigan. Uh, Joe Lovelace is back and Eli Salem from, uh, from East Lansing, Michigan is with us. And uh, so we've got a, a pretty crowded room. Unfortunately, one of our young guys has a, a labor, so it's labor issue. So it's it, it's been a really good competition through the spring and, and through fall. And when Aurora is, is here, I promise we'll have a quarterback behind center taking snaps. I bet you will. It sounds like a nice problem to have, yeah. Coach. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's good, good to back there. Let me ask you one thing, though. Uh, Andrew Kaminsky, he was on the 2020 roster, whatever you want to call it. Is he on the 2021 yeah. roster? And what level of importance does he provide here in terms of getting any quarterback that doesn't have uh, behind the North Central Center you know, experience? Yeah. What, what's his importance if he is there? He is here. He's here, and he's better than ever. Um, you know, Andrew's special. You, you guys see his talent as a football player. We get to see his his humanity and the person that he is. I mean, he's just he's, he's a better teammate than he is even a football player. And you hear that all the time about guys. But he really has been tremendous in terms of helping these young quarterbacks get comfortable. You know, the ball is not always in the exact same spot as what maybe he's been accustomed to with Brock. They had such chemistry. But you'd never know it with him. You know, if he's got to go down to catch a ball, he's not coming back upset with the throw not being perfect. He's, you know, giving knuckles to the quarterback. Nice job. He's just a great, great, great teammate, great leader. Um, he's back. Uh, Sean Moore Clark is back. Beasley's back. You know, our, we've got a lot of really good players back from that 2019 team, guys that really pressed the pause button on their life. And, and my gratitude and my admiration for those guys, I feel like I, I will – feel a debt of gratitude to those guys for the rest of my life because they've made our ability to, you know, pursue another great season uh, very, very possible. And they didn't have to do that. There's an investment involved. This isn't, you guys know, it's not division one. They've got to pay to go to school. So there was, there's yeah. a sacrifice involved in these guys coming back. So I just, I love these guys. I, I loved them before, but it's just, it's at another level now with this group. They're special and uh, we just hope we can send them out in a way that's indicative of the, the sacrifices they've made. 
One thing I want to say is when I get to do stag bowl sideline coverage and whatnot and you get to do the interviews uh, beforehand uh, when I you know work alongside d3football.com or with them or however you want to look at it, um, you get to see the student athletes, the players kind of at a much less protected level and getting to know Brock and getting to know Andrew last uh, go around in 2019 and see how much they were characters off the field because they were absolutely had a good time, you know, talking with them and every joking around and whatnot in the hotel lobby uh, where we're doing all of our work and all that stuff. It was just good to see, as you called it, the humanity of the people involved in the event and getting to know you and your family a little bit. It was just incredible. Uh, Brock's mom and family uh, mm-hmm. as, along the way as well. It, it, it was just a really great experience to get to know all of you uh, in that. And, you know, we will see if that is a repeat in Canton coming up soon. Uh, but one question for you, a lot of people are wondering, how's Brock doing? I'm sure you're in touch with him. And where is he at yeah. this point? Uh, I, I know the Niners thing didn't work out. But at the same right, time, I'm right. sure he's still gunning at it. You know, it's it, great. I appreciate you asking. He's doing great. Uh, Brock bounced around a little bit, ended up in Montreal with the Alouettes and was in camp and, and was doing a great job, had risen to third on their depth chart. They had let go of the other other quarterbacks. And in their last scrimmage, he sustained a high ankle sprain that was going to keep him out for about four weeks. And uh, they did bring another guy in with in, with him out and, and he got cut. So uh, he came home. Um, I don't know what the future holds for Brock uh, other than in the summer, summertime, I'm going to make sure I get to play some golf with him again. He's a heck of a golfer. I think he's about a five handicap. So uh, he's doing well. His family's doing well. Um, special, special, special guy that did things here that have never been done and led us to places we'd never been before. So uh, we miss him. We love him and uh, wish him nothing but the best. But he's doing very, very well, and I appreciate you asking, Frank. Well, uh, yeah, that was uh, – we, we expect to usually go 10 to 15 minutes maximum with interviews. But when we talked to him and that topic came up about the suicide that that team faced yeah. and uh, the mental health issues that he's aware of as much as anybody right now, uh, that was an opportunity, I think, to sort of have some real talk here about mental health and just what having football back can mean to – the youth that depends on this game and rely on this game the way they do. Um, I know you were pretty touched by that story. Well, yeah, I mean, it definitely, you know, harkens back to a few years ago with the Evan Hansen situation. And um, it's just one of those things where, I mean, I know that there's all these different, you know, the COVID protocols and they're trying to keep players safe and all this type of thing. But at the end of the day, you know, the effect on COVID is different for younger people than it is for you know guys our age and even especially older and so I think the fact that you know, obviously there still needs to be considerations and you know the variants and all that are something to take seriously but it's important for these um, for these kids I mean let's face it you know I a lot of them are even my own kids' age. Um, they, you know, athletics and getting the opportunity to do the sports that they love. And you know, let's face it, you know, a lot of a lot of the players that are about to kick off here in a little while for the scrimmage. I mean, part of the reason they came to Montclair, football factored into it. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, the maybe tuition costs and majors and all this other stuff is important. Yes. But when you're a young person, you know, and you and you love a sport and you've been playing it since you were a little kid, I think that factors in too. 
week two, uh, we talked about North Central facing uh, their challenge versus Aurora. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that's, that's week three. three. Yep, you got it. Yeah, we'll, we'll get this these straight. These teams that start in week two, man, come on, it's going to be worse when the NESCAC starts. In <laughs> week, week three, we're like week one of the. Okay, anyway. Well, anyway, I here's uh, one I want to uh, highlight because I, I think there's a little bit of a grudge match forming in this game in week two in Region Six, ETBU versus Mary Harden Baylor. Oh yeah. That was a close game in the spring and surprised a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, ETBU uh, has obviously beefed up their roster, uh, too, in the meantime, mm -hmm. with uh, Kale Vegans uh, there and company. Uh, now, we'll see if they deliver or not. Obviously, uh, players transitioning to the other teams. It can be interesting to see how it works out, yeah. ultimately, with a short period of time to learn the uh, new offense. But I think the key to that game is seeing if Mary Harden Baylor has sort of even out their offense and how ETBU's offense is going to respond. That This could be a game, I, I know the defenses are both very good, but yeah. this could be a game that goes into the 40 versus uh, 30 uh, score uh, very easily. And especially being so early in the season, I'm just curious to see what these teams look like in a very important ASC game. Yeah, and by the time this broadcast, uh, it'll be either a day or the day of the ETBU versus UW Platteville game. So we'll get a good chance to see, um, you know, see the Tigers on a, a sort of a national scale on a Thursday yeah, night. Yeah, it's a with, big game too. Without you know, without too much other competition, it'll be one of the few games that it's on that evening. And so we'll get a good sense early on. Hart, Mary Harden Baylor, Simpson. You know, I think they were picked sixth or seventh in their in their particular conference. So that's that's probably going to feel more like a preseason now game. The, the, for the bigger Crusaders. test is game two for them. Yeah. So I think it all. You know, if, if ETBU can get through that Platteville game unscathed, hopefully with a win and and build up their confidence a little bit. Especially, it's not easy to, to get wins over WIAC teams, no matter who they are. Um, that will be a, a marquee matchup. Definitely one of the bigger ones of week two. So uh, this is our last show in this uh, collection, but we have a lot more coverage throughout the weekend. Again, I will be at FDU Florum uh, when they host Merchant Marine Academy coming up on Friday. Yep. And uh, that'll be a fun night game down there to see Jamie Robertson's first game as a head coach. And Coach Toop is always coming into there. Remember, uh, Robertson used to coach at Merchant Marine Academy That's under right. Toop That's back yeah, when. So his coaching stripes yeah, initially. A lot of love there, except when coach they're... Toop across the sideline from each other. Absolutely. And I wonder how it's going to feel for Toop to see a guy that, you know, he helped bring up in the yeah. coaching ranks like that and see him across the yeah, field like that. probably not the first time or the last time that will happen for Coach Toop. He's, he's been at it for a little while. Yeah, that's a good point. So, you know, I'm sure he's excited, but he wants to get that win. Oh, you think? <laughs> Just a little bit. The yeah. only other, we, the only other um, region four uh, sort of overlap game I want to throw out there, Frank, because we talked about this in our preseason show, W and J versus John Carroll. Oh um, yeah, huge. We we you know we'll we'll probably take some flack if for some reason our uh, number fourteen team ends up losing to John Carroll, who's ranked higher than the presidents in the D3Football.com poll. So they're depending on you know which poll you believe and who knows what poll is right at any point. Rankings, whatever. Yeah, things are can, tough right you now. You can throw them out the window once once the kickoffs this weekend actually happen. But that's another big um, national game, in my opinion, because it'll tell you a lot about what's going on in the OAC. It'll tell you a lot about this president's team, which brings a huge senior class back of, you know, sort of fourth, fifth-year guys. I know Coach Sirianni, um, you know, he didn't have his old head coach, you know, Larry Karras there to fire him up. They, they scrimmaged Mountain Union. I mean, they're getting ready for this. This is a big deal. Oh, it is, absolutely. And uh, I'm curious to see how this game goes. You're absolutely right. 
Uh, we did uh, show it on the screen earlier, but I'm glad you brought it up as uh, one other thing uh, to watch for. I'll be doing the uh, coverage at Westminster on Saturday and also Buffalo State hosting St. John Fisher. We didn't talk about that in our Region 2 show, but that could be an interesting game just to yeah. see who's who and what's what in the Liberty League and Empire 8 as teams that don't get the same level of marquee billing right now, but that yeah. might be deserving of some of it. Yep. So all through the weekend, you're going to get sick of us, folks. <laughs> I mean, he and I, we're already sick of each other. Get, yeah. get the hell away. He'll be he'll be in uh, in person, and I'll be... You know. In uh, Orlando, yep. Yep. But uh, you, the coverage, hopefully, that you begin to uh, rely on uh, from us will be front and center here uh, coming up this weekend. So, again, thanks for joining us for our five preseason shows, uh, including uh, this fifth one about regions four through six. And we'll see you throughout the weekend and then have a highlight show on the other side of the weekend where we talk about the week one action. Thanks for joining us.